millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Support WrestleTalk. Give us a subscribe. Hey, everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J, Jeff here. This is Rich Swan, Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever WrestleTalk is, and whoever Luke Owen is, support the Ravens. Nevermore. WrestleTalk. Hello and welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast. I'm Ollie Davis. I don't know what the hell is going on, and I'm joined by Luke Owen. Hello, Swamp Nation, and a hello to you, Oliver Davis. How the devil are you doing? I'm yeah. I I, I don't know. I don't know. I watched. I watched a thing. I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm intrigued. I'm confused. I'm embarrassed. I'm yeah. I had so many conflicting emotions. Well done, WWE. Just when I think I've got your insanity figured out, you spam me like you like like they used to do in the Orange Tango adverts. Mm. Just been jumped like Vince. I feel like Vince McMahon this morning. His arm came through the screen and just slapped me on my giant five head. Do you remember when that was like a, a big sort of scandal in the UK when Tango ran that uh, promotion because people were just running around tangoing people and like <laughs> legit hurting them? Well, yes, it's it's difficult to sort of base an advertising campaign against what is essentially assaulting someone <laughs> and yeah. portraying that as a very fun, comical thing to do and then being surprised when people start hitting people in public. I don't know if the Americans know about this. This might be our version of Johnson, where, hey, Americans. It's a boat company. Yeah, Orange Tango, fizzy drink brand. They, no, it wasn't just Orange. That's just my personal favourite. And some mid-90s TV commercials, they just had a guy dressed up in orange, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. And he would run up to people in the street and just slap them in the forehead and, and say shout. the word spam. And shout the word, you've been tangoed. You've been tangoed, that's it. Yeah. And it, and it led to a lot of school kids in particular running around. You know the kids that did it, that were running around and slapping other kids on their head that were probably smaller kids than them and shouting, you've been tangoed, you little prick. And then they'd, <laughs> and, and then they'd sort of run along. And it, it became a bit of a national scandal over here because, yeah, People were beating people up. 
you don't sort of get that that level of irresponsibility these days. These days, the irresponsibility seems bad, but in the grand scheme of our, even just our lifetimes, Mm -hmm. it's so much better. When was the last time you you saw people advertising, hitting people in the forehead as a way to sell a fizzy drink? Well, I remember like Yorkie, and I, I thought this was a bit of a genius marketing scheme that they had because it riled up the right people. Yorkie, which is a chocolate bar brand here from Nestle in the UK, had did a campaign in the nineties where it was, which was, "It's not for girls," and all the adverts were girls going into shops dressed up as blokes trying to buy a Yorkie bar, and the shopkeeper were just like, "You're not a girl, are you?" And then they start like quizzing them on like what's the offside rule and this and the other. And then we revealed that it's a girl not allowed to buy because Yorkie, it's not for girls. It was a genius marketing campaign because a it made boys want to buy Yorkies because yeah, it's not for girls. B it made girls want to buy Yorkies to prove a point. It was, but it's not the camp. You could not run that campaign today. No, if, I think if there's any campaign where you switch out like gender for ethnicity. That yeah. you know, if, if if it doesn't work, that that would be awful. Yeah. I remember though, as a teenager, being affected by this because impressionable young mind. And anytime I saw a woman eating a Yorkie, probably to this day, I think, oh, yeah. it's not got, it's a, not got a troublemaker over here. I once got a uh, with my copy of FHM. Uh, I got uh, some like Yorkie stickers that you could put over, like to let the girls know that it, this isn't for them either. And I had a uh, a Yorkie. It's not for girls. Sticker on the back of the, my TV remote in my my bedroom that um, a, a girl, an ex girlfriend of mine, absolutely hated, hated that I had that sticker on the back of my TV remote. Because mm. well, what a lad I was! What a lad I was in the oh, in the late nineties, early two thousands. Lad culture, but which is never. which is being brought back is with it? the sexy dancing girls oh, right, on okay. Raw Underground. Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> well, let's get into the show because, yeah, what the hell was Raw Underground? Here it is. What the hell was Raw Underground, Luke? I don't know, mate. So it's like a fight club thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit like a fight club. But is it is it a separate promotion from Raw? Like, is it a WWE sanctioned thing? So it's like a legal fight club. Where is it? I mean, wrestling really is sort of a fight club of its own, really. You do show up to work and fight each other. Is, is it under the, the building? Well, the, the name would certainly suggest that, yeah, it is underground. Because spatially, in the setup shots for Raw Underground, shown earlier in the night, there was a guy standing outside a door, what looked like a normal, I'm very sure I've seen that door before, like a normal dressing room door. Mm. And then it was hinted at later, through that door, was this fight club. Who was the lad with the drinks? Who ordered the drinks? That's a good and point. Because he was turned away. So if someone did order the drinks inside, they didn't get their drinks. Which then, if you look at it from the other side then, 
who sent the drinks to go in there. And then the lad had to take those drinks back and say that they didn't want the drinks. Why is Shane McMahon there? Well, he's not been on TV for a while, I guess. I, I, you know, you've got to keep yourself busy somehow. Maybe. Maybe this is... This, since October, this is what he's been planning. Welcome to the Roar of You folks. I'm Ollie Davis. I'm joined by Luke Owen. And we are asking... What the hell is going on with Raw Underground? This was a segment that was, an, well, it wasn't announced in advance. Just a few hours before the show went on air, WWE's Twitter account started saying, hey, Shane McMahon's going to be on the show. And everyone was like, sorry, what now? Mm-hmm. But I, that's come out of nowhere. And yeah. it wasn't to make a big announcement. It wasn't that he was going to have his thoughts on like a pre-existing feud. It was just that he's been working on something. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, are you trying to say that Raw Underground was not a big announcement? Well, I think an announcement would be coming out into the ring and saying, this is what I'm doing. Like I never did got last that... year. Yeah, I never got that level of clarification. No. It just, you know, like in the first two hours, there was a few teases, in the first hour, it was all the like, oh, look at this mysterious door with the giant. I think he was the giant ninja guy. I didn't get a good look at him. Really. No, I think I think it was just a different security man. Just a different, enormous guy. They got. I mean, well, Babatunde was in there. He's a big, enormous guy. They got just, load, they've been signing big, enormous guys. For the last time. This is Vince McMahon's private collection of big, enormous guys that he, he hasn't just, even let go to NXT. He just measures them next to like the big T-Rex skull that he's got in his office. If you're like, oh, is you as big as that? At your side. So that that's the first bit of teases. Then the second hour, like out of nowhere, out of <laughs> freaking nowhere, the cat, like, you know, there's this, just that, here's Kevin Owens talking to the Iconics backstage. And then it cuts to Shane McMahon in what looks like some gay rave club with loads of guys getting down to it, just mat wrestling in the ground. And Shane McMahon's got the, the microphone free stand in his, in his hand. And he's like going, right, yeah, it's a fight. Cl- it's, it's underground. Raw's coming to you underground soon at 10 p.m. And I'm like, what? This is it? I laughed out loud. Oh my what God, was your know, first reaction? Fits of hysterics. Like, I... <laughs> Abs- I burst into laughter and then I ran my head and I'd be like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> I was I was explaining this to my wife this morning and just started laughing again. And she just said, I was like, oh, it does sound a bit sad. And I was like, yeah, it was a bit. You know, the dancers, and this, this is what really, really hit me. You know, the dancers they had. So if you're not seeing the show, Raw Underground's got lady dancers there. All I could think of was this. Would you like me to lap dance for you? <laughs> yeah, it's so that bit came a bit later because then it yeah it says like after the break I think it was after the Banks Baszler segment stuff and Asuka's promo it says after the break we've got Raw Underground coming for you and I'm like okay well I think I know what Raw Underground is and you know we'll get into this shortly I don't hate the idea no 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 not at all. I I actually quite like the idea. In fact, if you go back to the early days of lockdown, I was pretty much pitching this idea. But I 
think the execution was a bit whiffy. That is exactly it. Like my notes read, this is actually quite cool. But Shane McMahon is making this incredibly uncool. Like, he, <laughs> like he's the most uncool person that you could could have put in charge of this. Like it would have been, it would, it would have been only slightly more awkward if it was Kurt Angle. Like Kurt Angle was sort of awkwardly standing there, not really getting people's names right. Yeah, <laughs> showing uh, no emotion. But yeah, well, Kurt Angle wouldn't make any sense though. Shane McMahon. Is a legit tough guy. He went he toe to toe with AJ Styles in a and the Undertaker. Match. He yeah. went toe to toe with the Undertaker in Hell in the Cell. Like you yeah, know, he's, he's a legit tough guy. He's an MMA expert. Everyone knows that. Best Everyone in the world. Um, so yeah, it cuts to Shane McMahon, and there is uh, not Babatunde, who is who's got a fantastic look. By the he's way, he's awesome, right? Yeah, he's really well like cool. Him. He's like a scary Funkasaurus. Yeah, this is what this is what the Funkasaurus wanted his gimmick to be. Like when he, every time he was pitching the character, this is the character that he kept pitching. In the same five days that Cameron made her return, like her wrestling return over in AEW, she Uh-oh. was on the show. She was on the AEW show last night, which I've watched almost all of. How is it? It's it's you know it. I, I don't mind it, mate. It's uh some of it's quite good. Jericho. Uh, Built up the Nyla Rose, is it Nyla Rose and Cameron, and Cameron. versus Anna Jay and Ty Conte, Ty Tanara Conte. He said on Instagram over the weekend, "Man, it's a good show. It's a, it's a really good match. They blew me away." I listened to Dave Meltzer's review earlier, and he went, "It was bad. <laughs> <laughs> that match was so bad." I think it was because that's the match I've not finished yet. Mm-hmm. I think did I watch that match? Is that the one I've already seen? Hold on one second. I've still got the, the thing open. Um, well, while you do that, I'll. Yeah. So Babatunde is now called Dabba Kato. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool name. I like Kato. Kato's got those Greek vibes to it. And the the I don't know who he was fighting, but the the setup is yeah, it's like a canvas, but a pretty grimy looking canvas. You've got loads of people in that sort of fight club attire, so white vests, just jeans. Everything looks quite grubby. I thought like that. The, Pete sometimes film theorists talk about the visual texture of a film, and it felt grimy. Like I I felt like there was a a, a grimy grainy feel to the presentation. I thought that was massively undone, however, by the Kevin Dunn production tactics, where it's loads of camera shots, crash zooms, and this weird club music playing underneath throughout. (laughs) The music, man. Okay, well, I will continue with uh, my my review of the show. (laughs) Hey, I wish I could blame this on some kind of Molotov cocktail attack to the router, but no such luck. Uh, so yeah, Dabakato, he sort of just, but you can see the sort of bad production levels. We've only got a backdrop that covers the middle part of the shot where I'm framed. So yeah, the, the visual feel was sort, I, I thought was a really cool presentation, but unfortunately, yeah, it's this Kevin Dunn style production tactics where everything's going really, really, really fast and that the cutting rate is obnoxiously quick and you've got this pulsating dance club music in the background and then all of a sudden out of nowhere it cuts from shane mcmahon doing the the intro hey sorry i totally blamed you for that as well but i think it was me that went out yeah uh, just let me finish my point and it goes from this sort of 
Shane McMahon intro thing and the, and the pulsating music to this shot of three scantily clad, you know, they were strippers. They weren't, exo- you know, exotic dancers. And it was just, you know, but on AEW, because I know people will probably bring this up, I haven't seen anyone yet, but for, say, the Bash at the Beach and the Fighter Fest stuff, they had women in bikinis. Oh, yeah, Louis did. Yeah, around ringside. And I was like, ah, eh, you know, it's not for me, but I didn't feel offended by it. This one, I did feel offended. Not offended. No, offense, offense is the wrong word. I just felt a bit embarrassed. Yes. I mean, I I felt quite embarrassed for the Bash of the Beach ones as well. I thought it was slightly out of place in, in 2020. But at least when they did it with Fighter Fest, it was kind of like a parody of it at the same time because Fighter Fest in itself was this sort of like sad endeavor. And Fighter Fest, you know, the whole gimmick around it was supposed to be this kind of like it was this sort of madman's creation in Kenny Omega. Here, though, this felt like what was cool in the 90s, which is, you know, pretty much where all of their cultural touchstones finish. And they were like, whoa, it's, it's scantily clad girls. It felt like you know, like the first episode of the WWE ECW where they had Kelly mm. Kelly doing strip teasers and stuff. And they were like, hey, guys, look cool, right? Strippers, yeah? Men, ooh, hey, lasses, right? And it, as I said, it felt like the Alan Partridge, would you like me to lap dance for you? It was yeah. just a bit sad. Yeah, so the, the music, the production tactics, and the lady dancers aside, I liked the presentation. I, I thought the matches were really quite dramatic. They weren't really matches, you know, they were squashes. It'd be one big person just pummeling on someone else. There was no back and forth in an, any of the encounters. We had Baba Tunde, we had uh, Eric of the Viking Raiders just Looking, annihilate someone. It's the coolest he's looked since nxt you know what because they're not playing vikings no they're not isn't that a shock (laughs) exactly they were just being like cool badasses like and it made the hurt business look amazing at the end yeah so there was also (laughs) i liked how the hurt business so the hurt business had a bad night really mvp lost his self-proclaimed united states championship at the start of the show sheldon benjamin lost the 24 7 title to akira tozawa so they've lost a lot and they've lost all their titles and then at the end but all the time like charlie caruso's running up to them and saying oh what 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 do you think about your losses you're so rubbish aren't you screw you guys and then he's like whoa 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 why isn't anyone talking about the freaking fight club that's next door or the people who are trying to take Raw down by throwing Molotov cocktails? And I thought MVP's the, the only guy I respect here because the commentary team, this was another big part that I didn't like about the way Underground was presented. You'd have an Underground segment and then it would cut to Tom Phillips and he'd go, wow. Well, I mean, yeah, that's so something. I- I was going to say, it was either coming back to him going like, well, that sure was something. Or it was coming back to him going, well, that was cool. I don't know about you, but oh. that's cool. Yeah, it's uh, it was that there's nothing less cool than Tom Phillips and Michael Sh- Cole. Than Shane McMahon. Yes, yeah. Someone, oh. so with the Hurt, so what happened at the end is the Hurt business kind of, I, I in my head it it can work two ways. They lost on the show the main part of Raw, but that took them to another place, and they were kind of putting people over on the way out of normal Raw, and then they looked they looked genuinely badass 
in the underground segment at the end. That was the main event bit where each guy beat up someone. One of them was Dio Madden, of all mm. people. He's back. <laughs> and that like MVP sort of declares themselves as the big guys around here. They run this joint now. Business is good. And then Shane McMahon pops up. Isn't that great? You really are cool. You know, at the yeah. bottom. And I was like, oh my God. You're right. Why is Shane McMahon on this at all? Why is this not an MVP creation? Yeah, well, and you're absolutely right. Like, but it's because Shane's the draw, right? Like, we, I mean, we've said this for the last few weeks. When the ratings go down, you go to Steve Austin reunion shows or a McMahon. And that's what they've done with. They haven't gone with Vince, so they've gone with Shane because he's the cool one of the McMahon family. <laughs> so Shane's gone out there to be like, and like, Shane legit feels like the sort of guy that would want to run this and would think that he was so cool and quite well suited to this sort of place as well. So it, it sort of feels like his sort of mad reality. Um, so yeah, it just it, in that sense, in sort of that stasis, it does make sense that Shane McMahon was the one that came up with Raw Underground, even though he's incredibly uncool <coughs> and made... Like him, the dancers and the music made it so uncool. Yeah, I totally agree. But but as we know, this has been his thing for ages. He wanted to take over that original ECW and present it in more of a shoot style way. Um, he wanted to, I think he wants to buy the UFC. He's always wanted to get into that area and be a an MMA fight promoter. He trains mm. a lot in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I think is the specific part he trains in. But, you know, he he... He fights, bro. So one last question before we get into the the super chats on this, because there's a lot of you a lot of you are watching right now and a lot of you have sent in comments oh, on more yeah. underground. You have got thoughts. Is does having more underground actually undermine the rest of the program? Because if you're saying, hey, these are real fights. Mm -hmm. And then on the rest of the show, you've got sports entertainment fights. Are you not theoretically exposing everything as a work? Yeah, but we've been through this before, and I, I just don't think they care mm. at this point. And I honestly, I don't think they gave that any modicum of thought. They were just like, smagging hell, ratings are in the toilet, and we've just told our investors that we're going to turn this ship around. I can't fire Bruce, and he's the only person I've got left to fire. So what do we got left? Uh, we'll bring Shane McMahon back and we'll do... I mean, okay, let's be honest, this isn't going to be here in four weeks' time. Like, this is not going to be on the show in three weeks' time. <laughs> this is Mick Foley's dark hour of Raw or whatever it was. This is Corey Graves' electric chair. This will be gone soon enough. And I get the feeling that it will be gone to debut this new faction. Like, I think they will use Underground to launch this new faction that they've got. And then they'll be the ones that kind of like close down Underground. And then they will kind of launch themselves off the back of it. Kind of like Lance Archer in AEW. His first video packages were this sort of backyard fight club as opposed to an Underground one. And it was, it was very similarly presented. In, in sort of concept. Uh, but yeah, that was just really to build Lance, although I would love to see more of that world. So yeah, I guess actually one last thing before we get on with the Super Chats. What is your take on it then? As as like, was it, was it, was it a success? What's your thoughts? It was designed to get people talking 
and it got people talking. So from that aspect, I would say that it was a bit of a home run success because when I woke up this morning, like I watched the show, I went onto the old Twitter machine, everyone was talking about Raw Underground. And you know what? I haven't seen people talking about the third hour of Raw for some time <laughs> to this degree, right? So in that sense, I guess it was a win. Like, it, it, you know, it, it kind of worked. But I'm also sitting here with a bit of a cynical mind because this is not the first time that WWE have done sort of like this. Oh, no, the third hour is really bad. Rather than remove it, we'll just make it something else. And then they get bored of it quite quickly because... I'm so interested to see what the third hour numbers are tomorrow, like tonight, because if the third hour numbers are still bad, then they're not going to carry on doing it because they're like, well, that didn't work. We'll just see what's next. Like this whole episode was just throw everything at a wall and we'll just see what sticks. Um, before I get to your thoughts on it as well, I did want to read this out from Mike, Sem Mike Sempervivi from Figure Four. Uh, who said, not counting the Bobby Lashley and MVP deal at the end of the show, there were four Raw Underground fights. They lasted a combined 1 minute 57 seconds. There were 79 camera cuts during all the, <gasps> during the whole thing. Oh my god. That's yeah. more than one every two seconds. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Well, big problem. I, I think that's definitely that and the way it fits in with the rest of Raw, definite bad. However, my thoughts, yes, I think there's something here. Like I said, I at the start of lockdown, I, I said, look, you're not going to get in new viewers right now. So now's the time to sort of satisfy who you've still got watching and maybe try out some new stuff. Take a new approach to creating a wrestling product without fans. Because what this format does is it actually, social distancing be damned, it does make it feel... I, d I wasn't in there going, well, this is missing an audience because it's a completely different way of presenting it. So I really like that. I think there, there is the, the best version of this would have been the Hurt Business debuting it. And crucially, it should have been a whole uninterrupted hour. And that yeah, should be I mean, the 10 to 11. Yeah, I was also going to say, I think it should have been cinematic. So you don't do this in the Kevin Dunn style because that really hurts it. You can then kind of, I mean, the, the porno music didn't work either. The dancers didn't work. But at least if you did it in a cinematic style, it might have not, it probably wouldn't have felt quite so jarring. I also wouldn't have had Shane McMahon do it as well. Like yeah. Was, yeah. 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 Very, very bad. Uh, unfortunately, if, if you're optimistic, all the power to you, I wish I was you. But I see this with the experience of everything Luke's gone like listed uh, with the raw third hour, the darker one before the electric chair wild card rule. We've had so many false starts from WWE that it's so difficult to get excited when they try something new because they inevitably drop it within three weeks. It's not even long enough to, to just appreciate it in, in passing. So I would just, if you're, if you're sort of forgetting all those other gimmicks, because I certainly did before I wrote the script this morning, this is an NXT call up. You know, sure, there's a, a thing here in the in the moment, in the episode, but in three weeks' time, in a month's time, do you really think they've got a plan for this? Oh, God, no. Exactly. Absolutely not. Um, just for the Super Chats as well, do apologize for my stream uh, cutting out. Uh, I, I As I said, like from my side, it looked like you had frozen and frozen in quite the position as well. So I was like, oh, no, because you, mm. you said you'd had bad internet all morning. I was like, oh, man, Ollie Davis's internet is cut out. And because I had um, 
uh, Brandon cut out yesterday during the WrestleTalk Clips interview I did with him. I was like, two days, man. I've had people. And then yeah. I was like, oh, no, it's me. Oh, no, it's me that's gone. But at least people won't have heard me saying that it was Ollie that cut out. <laughs> and I saw all of these comments come up being like, no, 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 Luke, it's you. I was like, oh. Yeah, I can still hear you. Well, if only only Vince could also realise he's the problem, like you have so boldly done that. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Do you like wrestling? Do you like improv? Do you like role-playing games? And you'll love No Rolls Barred, presented by the WrestleTalk Podcast Network. Six players come together to create a fictional wrestling promotion, roll dice, and create the kind of insanity that real companies could only dream of creating. Can Tony the Milkman survive the twilight of his career and still find time to care for his wrestling son? Can the Denimatrix overcome the vicious apex and achieve total denimation? Can brothers Golden Joe and Silver Bro coexist? exist as a tag team before they combust. Find out now with the wrestling show that everyone's talking about. No Rolls Barred is available wherever you get your podcasts and only presented on the WrestleTalk Podcast Network. Uh, We've got a load of Super Chats still to get to, but before we do, we will read every single one out. So last call, ding, 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 get those in. Um, Let's do our Patreon shout-outs for our $25 a month or more, Pledgehammers. Thank you all so much. Nerf this, Eva Martinez. 
Thank you so much. The lunatic, John Moxley's fringe. Yeah. The fitness concierge, Scott Michael. Oh, very good pronunciation. The anomaly, CJ Warren. Yes. The also anomaly, Blake Anomaly Minecrafts. <laughs> Wonderwall, Brian Gallagher. Thank you. The mayor of Painesville, Dan. Oh, absolutely, Dan. Yes, please, mate. The $100 man, C.D. Horver. Thank you. The Kessel Run DX Solo. Yes, good lads. The Rocket. Dan Van Sky. Thank you. Check him out on Spotify. Wrestle Talk's personal ring announcer, Rodrigo Benitez. Thank you so much. And lastly for this list, no one calls their kid this anymore. Larry! Thank you. And also thank you, Mod Mother Jenna, of course, as always. And Rob Jackson, one of our newer moderators, I believe. So, Super Chats, we've got a bunch of them. We've also got an insane episode of Raw, even if you move underground out of it. So let's Whoa. try and hammer through. I what? just had to scroll down the document to see how many Super Chats there are. Crikey. Yeah. yeah. Oh, There's... you got people talking. Yeah, so, uh, and thank you to Bumhead. Oh, no, Bumhead <laughs> Rob is not doing the, the doc here, but our moderator has put in a mishmash of fonts, which is just <laughs> disgusting. Laid out next to each and other. Colors. Mm. So all everyone getting your uh, super chats. We will read out every single one of them on this show. Uh, Zachary Jenkins was that Lucha Underground without a budget. Imagine that WWE is being described as Lucha Underground without a budget. Michael Dominguez. I was like WTF, but Bobby got up and saw it. Plays into his MMA. Could do the same with other MMA talent. Give stories. Without storylines, Dolph looked great. I, that's another thing. Dolph Ziggler got a match, and yeah. he—I sort of forgot that he's a legit collegiate athlete. Yeah, but at the but like the Eric thing. Like I did say, Eric looked cool, but you know, at the end of it, I'm not. I don't know. Does it do anything for them? Am I going to look at Dolph next week and be like, oh man, look, there's badass Dolph? Maybe that's yeah. maybe that's more of a problem I've got with Dolph more than this, the presentation of him here. No, I think that is a problem though. Like, how do you how do you go from this? into wwe world what happens when two actual main roster stars come up against each other in this format i can't mm. see a way out of it colby dennis i could get behind underground if the hurt business replaced that instead of vip lounge from the start shane's involvement was just confusing to me exactly what we've said already vandalia 1998 the shane's return and creation of raw underground make him a face or a heel what oh. huh what an excellent question. I I don't know. I think he is a face, but come on. WWE uh, evolved past that kind of storytelling long ago. It's all shades of grey. Danny <laughs> Average. Okay, so I guess Vince missed out on Lucha Underground. Screw it. Let's make a WWE version. I was going to say, the, the things I have seen are a lot of people say, like, oh, it's the Shikara thing. Oh, it's Lucha Underground. Guarantee you none of the people who made the decision to do this have ever seen those shows. <laughs> yeah, Bruce Pritchard did yeah. not watch Lucha Underground. It's like, oh, they've just ripped off EC3's thing. I was like, guys, they haven't seen EC3's thing. They, mm. they don't know what it is. 
Vince, uh, Vince didn't even know what e- who EC3 was, and he bloody signed him. <laughs> the uh, so they did. Ha- I can't remember his name now, but just a couple of months ago, they had one of the creators of Lucha Underground on their production staff, one of the lead writers on SmackDown. Krista Joseph was his yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so like, it, 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 this is so last minute. It didn't even come from from him. Uh, Chocobo Kid Shane McMahon is there to prove how hot the action of Raw Underground is by his sweaty <laughs> self. <laughs> <coughs> Oh, that's great. He was sweaty. Nin's Entertainment. What in the beep is Vince smoking? I need that S word. Uh, Spencer, oh, I wonder if Survivor Series will be Team Underground versus Team WWE. I'm also, am I the only one who still has got Going Underground stuck in their head? Like every time I see it, I'm like, Going Underground, Going Underground. underground. Uh, Monty Granito. Raw Underground is Lance Archer's backyard promo with strippers. I would rather Jake be there. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, about Raw Underground, I think the idea is great, especially with the Hurt Business interfering and introducing Babatunde and Dio. I was hoping he would do a better job, but Shane and the really bad dancers made it so bad. I'm, I'm going to put money on this, and I'm going to ask Louis, actually, to, to speak to some of his uh, sources there. Did they know that that was Dio Madden? Did they know that that was former Raw commentator Dio Madden? They were just like, "You're a big lad, you get in." Uh, and he was no like, one... I-, "I used to, I used to do commentary on this show." They're like, "No, you didn't, kid. Get in there." <laughs> no one mentioned it on commentary either. No. Uh, uh, Jose Quinde Underground is run by a certain group, while hip hop beats play in the background. Okay, and um, Bob becomes Underground champion. Am I looking too much into it? What? Just that the Hurt Business are, are running it? I thought that was kind of. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure what what uh, Jose is getting out on hmm. that one. I'm afraid. The big dog two three eight three Acosta. Maybe Underground is supposed to be what SmackDown was meant to be when SmackDown was supposed to be more of a sports based product. LOL. How could you imagine? I would never call that a sports based product. It was oh, a God. movie. Yeah, is is what they did. But a um, really badly made one. Uh, yeah, like one of the ones that's on Netflix. And you're like, oh, that that looks quite good. A gangs, an East End gangster bare knuckle boxing movie. I'll watch. Oh my god, this <laughs> this is this is from a DVD fifty grand budget uh, low rent thing. Caleb Maldonado trying to stay positive because of some unfortunate news last night, but they should have had Nicholas in the underground beating everyone up. Oh, that's how you finish this off. Monte Granito, the girls on Bash at the Beach, they were sitting in a chair versus simulated pole dancing. Underground felt like a set from the movie Ready to Rumble. Yeah, you want to talk about badly made movies? There it is, mate. <laughs> ben Sneeringer, if underground fights were produced like Scott Pilgrim battles, <laughs> mwah, yes, please. They would be yeah. so much better, in my opinion. I'll just do a few. Oh, actually. Daniel, Daniel Bryan could definitely win with his vegan powers. <laughs> yes. Uh, Dan Partridge, it's the stuff that makes me embarrassed to watch. Yeah, yeah, I think sort of like that is a word to use here because I I think if someone had come in and seen me watching that, particularly with Shane, with the music and with the dancers, I would have been quite embarrassed to, as a man in my mid-30s, to have been caught watching that. Yeah. Uh, Red Dog. Uh, I didn't mind Raw Underground. Just wish Samoa Joe was the host and not Shane. Hashtag Shane's not cool. Oh, man. Samoa Joe was wicked on this oh, show. Forgot how much I missed him in as a wrestler, which is just... Mm. 
come on, WWE, how do you make me miss Samoa Joe as a wrestler? You've got yeah. why is he on commentary? Uh, Devante Lee, send Black to Underground and let him just knock people's heads off and eventually go back to Raw to actually win and challenge for titles. But again, you've got that sort of going back into the the wrestling, the simulated wrestling world, which I think is quite a, a jarring thing there. Plus, Alistair Black hasn't got an eye now and he needs to be repackaged into, I don't know, Shorty B or something. <laughs> uh, Andre Banks, Raw Underground did feel like it was real fighting versus fake fighting. It felt like it was rules versus no rules. Also, the Seth and Tom stuff. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Doug Savona. So was that the real life Def Jam fight for New York? Yeah, I've seen I know. a few people make Def Jam references. I was gonna say, a friend of mine said that to me today, just showing a picture of their copies of it, being like, "I really do need to play these again." Yeah, what what games they were. Uh, Christopher Collins. So did they create Underground just to have a place for Nia Jax? Yeah, she's busy beating up Pat Buck. Mm. Uh, Eddie Good, Shane starting Raw Underground is exactly why I watch you guys instead of WWE program. Hashtag Tony Khan pays the bills. Cheers, Thanks, Tony. Tony. Cheers, mate. Finally for now, Danny Average. Is Underground just a veiled attempt to get that AEW demographic? Absolutely not. It's to claw back the people that they've lost during the pandemic. That's, that's, who, they're, that's who they're trying to get with this. I think... I d- I don't know if they've ever sat down and thought about demographics because that would require caring and listening to their audience, which they haven't yeah. done for decades. It's all trying to get to what Vince McMahon thinks people wants to see. That's the mark of a booker, right? Someone who can put on what they think people want to see. And unfortunately, Vince hasn't had that for almost 20 years now. So let's get on with the rest of the show, which which had some really good bits on. Oh yeah, and also had some really bad stuff on. Yeah, this it was, man, it was a it was a packed old show. Like the the, the reports from this show is that it was like chaos backstage, but way more chaos than we are quite used to. Like the reports were like, hey, if you thought it was bad two weeks ago, it's even worse. Like today, like apparently they were rewriting the show while they were filming it. The the show they were taping afterwards wasn't finished, and they were like throwing things out. This and watching the show, it really did feel like let's just throw everything, like with every segment, just throw everything at the wall, and we'll just see what sticks. The only segment on this show that I felt like had some thought put behind it was the randy drew one like that felt like that had been a segment that they would have like done set up last week and be like yeah we'll do the randy drew segment because that was still within the storyline that they've been telling plus you know this time they've been able to get apollo cruz and, and Liv morgan back now um do you want to take a guess we used to play a game where we'd guess the box office numbers for mm. films do you want to try what you reckon the rating's gonna be <sighs> oh okay so last week was one point Six one, I think. One point six one. It's been around the one point six mark. I'm. I think they're going to do one point seven. I think there is going to be a bump because I think that the you know saying that Shane's coming back that is going to so maybe even go up to one point eight. But I think Shane coming back. I think them saying that new formats coming in, and I think them saying a new faction is debuting. I think is going to bump up the rating somewhat, even if that faction didn't actually debut. Yeah. 
I'm gonna say one point. Uh, I'm gonna say one point nine. Um, I, th- I, th- I think Shane McMahon, unfortunately, is a one-off draw. Uh, but yeah, let's let's start off with the faction because Raw opened with lights are flickering and it cuts to Tom Phillips on the commentary table after they run down the card and they say, "Huh, we've been getting some really bad weather recently." And I just wanted to be like, put aside the whole idea that every time lights start getting interfered with at a wrestling show, it usually means someone's going to debut or return. Put that to one side because there's certain things that you've got to get over mm-hmm. to be able to tell stories. It's just like a hang up. Like, why do people bounce off the ropes when you Irish rip with them? But the fact that the company announced that a new faction was going to debut. And later on in the show, we get footage of five masked, they look like the ninjas, people throwing Molotov cocktails at a generator. How was that not picked up or heard by anyone there? Well, that's because the show was being rewritten. So like Tom's Tom's rationale of it totally works if you continue that train of thought. But sometimes with this company, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. So they might not have known. I, I don't know. But like, I think them announcing it ahead of time, probably like, that kind of ruins Tom's thing, which is a shame because him saying, oh, we're getting really bad weather at the moment and it's interfering. And throughout the night, you know, they were like all the wrestlers were getting problems with their microphones. None of them said, oh, I wonder if this is that new faction that's debuting that Twitter announced a couple of hours ago. Makes everyone look a little bit dumb. But initially, I think it like if you, I just wish they had made the tweet because like yeah. it made it actually would have been really really effective throughout. Surely Shane McMahon's enough of, of all the things. If you're really trying to pop Dude, a rating, the ratings are low. Uh-huh. You've got to do everything. Yeah, because I agree. I quite liked. Oh, got some bad weather going on at the moment. I thought it was really well sold, but the, the rest of the program just dismantled that. Um, and you mentioned the uh, the group. I'm I'm just going to say it now. <clears throat> I thought it was the ninjas. Mm. I thought it was Akira Tozawa's ninjas, and I thought, why the hell are the ninjas throwing Molotov cocktails? This seems like a very like serious thing for such a wacky group to be doing. Yeah. I thought it was the ninjas, man. And then it was only this morning in our morning meeting where Lou was like, yeah, that was the new faction. I was like, was it? Because they were dressed exactly as the ninjas. Mm. Um, yeah, Akira Tozawa's really gone dark since winning <laughs> the title. So the first match was MVP versus Apollo Crews for the United States title. Nice to have Cruz back. I have missed him. The Hurt Business is one of the best things going in WWE right now. And in fact, the wrestling industry at large. Uh, they had a decent match. Love yeah. MVP. I just love MVP. The fact that yeah. he's, he still can hang in the ring really well and be that good on the mic. How's it taken this long for him to come back? Yeah, I thought that I really, really liked this match. Like you, I was really happy to see Cruz back. Big, big fan of MVP and the Hurt Business. Yeah, I was. I really, really liked this. And I thought the finish was great. I think Apollo Crews holding up the belt. He's the new Vince McMahon family guy character where his gimmick is, I've got a family. Uh, but yeah, which, which I don't think is the best character for Cruz because we just see like it, it's every baby face that they try to push. It's just like, hey, I've got kids and the kids want a role model, et cetera, et cetera, because Vince is now a granddad. So that I don't really get in on with, but I thought the match was really good. And I think Cruz just finally putting an end to this was also great. I was surprised that we're getting a rematch at SummerSlam. I thought this is where Bobby would step in. Yeah, that's the that's the down note on this. I thought MVP cut a really good promo afterwards, felt really raw and realistic. And, you know, he said, I don't care about Cruz's kids. 
I didn't care about him being a father. I want that title back. Uh, so he challenged him to a match at SummerSlam, which I'm not into seeing because mm. I've just seen him lose definitively on TV. Yeah. Um, then we got a tease for the underground. Uh, Banks and Bailey introduced their own video package, Such Heels. And mm-hmm. Asuka sort of hacks it at the end, I guess. What it was she the SmackDown hacker? This wasn't very well told visually. No. It looked I, like they just cut to an interview with Asuka at the end. That's what I thought they had done. I've even written here they cut to an interview with Asuka. Yeah, but then it cuts back to Bailey and Banks, and they sold it like, oh my god, Asuka this like cut into our celebratory video package. How dare she? But then Baszler awesomely strolls up and comes across as so threatening and just punches Banks in the face. Square I loved this so much. Baszler walks up and she's like, I've waited long enough for to have some fun. Bang, just punched us straight in the face. It was so great. Like Banks and Bailey sold it brilliantly. This is the best that, ba- that Baszler has looked since coming up to the main roster. It's not goofy biting people's necks. It's not running through people. Like I, I thought this made her look way better than her running through everyone in Elimination Chamber. I totally agree. Yeah, like, you know, she was pushed hard there. She was mm-hmm. pushed hard in Survivor Series. She was even pushed hard in the Royal Rumble match, even though she didn't win. But man, if she debuted like this, just being a badass with character as opposed to just stuff in the ring, so much more effective. Yep. Uh, after that, we got Kevin Owens doing some iconic stuff backstage. It was quite funny. And then he had a KO show interview with Ruby Riot, his good friend. Ruby Riot, he introduced her as. So I think they are friends. I'm pretty sure Kevin Owens has said that on podcasts before, but it's not something that's ever been established on TV. So yeah, I think it's quite cheap to be like, here's my close personal friend, Ruby Riot. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I think you just sort of had to suspend some sort of disbelief. To be honest, I was more like, why isn't Kevin Owens more pissed off that Shane McMahon's back? Because like, yeah. he's like, he's got him out of the company like their career versus career match and on the first episode of smackdown he should be so annoyed that shane four months later when uh, more than that isn't it it's like you know 10 months later whatever it was has just walked back into the company and has now <laughs> got his own promotion that's like raw underground i thought he'd be absolutely fuming but he's like no i don't want to talk about that i'd rather talk about ruby Wright and the iconics why oh yeah live morgan and ruby Wright, like on my priority list <laughs> I think getting the Riot Squad back together far outweighs this illegal fight ring that's opened up underneath me with my mortal foe. <laughs> Honestly. I So this, you know, Liv Morgan came down. Uh, there was some nice material here, like Ruby Riot referenced the shared tattoos they have, which is the date of their debut on Raw. Talked about getting the Riot Squad back together, making it better than ever. I'm like, guys, Sarah Logan. Come oh, on. man, poor Sarah. She did get Overall, though, Overall, I thought this was pretty pants. Uh, I don't think. I think if guy, if the guys did this segment, I'd be ripping into it quite hard, and mm. I feel like I'm giving them a fair, a free pass because they're women. Do you know what? I, I didn't mind it to be mm. honest with you. Like, I mean, the, the story's not great and everything, but I thought everyone's performances were pretty good. I thought Ruby was was pretty good. I thought Kevin Owens was great in the segment. I thought the iconics were very good heels. I, I think it, it it falls down just because I don't think there's not a single person in this world that is bothered by a mm. Riot Squad reunion. Like, that's why it doesn't work, is because who who gives an S that the Riot Squad are reuniting? Yeah, you're right. Maybe if I cared about the characters more, I would 
like that would hook me in but i yeah. you know i didn't think it was very good at all but i thought the match was bad with the iconics there was, seemed to be some miscommunication in the end but ruby and liv stood tall and they sort of gave each other this look which was hmm let's get the band back together and i just thought oh my god you said everything with one understated look right there yeah. Why did you have to do all the hokey acting in the segment beforehand? This is a much better way of telling that story. It is a much better way. But I mean, also, this story has completely fallen on its ass because for two weeks, Bianca Belair was playing the role of Liv Morgan. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, okay. So it then goes to Charlie Caruso backstage. <laughs> Sorry, I just remembered this bit. And she's pointing at this production crate that's fallen Tom, over. Tom Phillips throws to her with an important report. This is some big breaking news. Might explain why there's having some technical issues with the mics and the lights. And Caruso's there trying to sell how big a deal this fallen over production box is, which has some cables in. Yeah, but Ollie... There are rumours circulating amongst the talent back here that this was no accident. These cables are on the floor. We've this been is here. How a tr- it's a trip hazard. When we've done storylines on WrestleTalk, we've, we've literally come in and go, oh my God, we've got to do that thing today. What, sh- what should we, how, how do we tell this, what, what do we do the next thing? And we come up with something crap like this. Yeah. Well, we haven't thought it through. Honestly, I, th- oh, I just... Although, to be honest, I've written here like we're we're one year removed, just one year removed from Roman Reigns getting crushed by boxes. So I was just hoping that everyone was checking that Roman was okay (laughs) after these boxes had fallen over. Like you might have been watching at home with some PTSD. Uh, Well, speaking of being surprise attacked, you'll never (laughs) see it coming. SummerSlam. Last week, someone super chatted in saying, like, that's the name of SummerSlam, isn't it? It's SummerSlam. You'll never see it coming. And that person was bang on the banana. The show is called SummerSlam. You'll, I, I think it's, it's you'll never see it coming SummerSlam, right? Yeah. Unbelievable. At this rate, you should call it you'll never see it SummerSlam. <laughs> uh, so Drew, this, this was specifically on the graphic between Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton. They'll be fighting over the WWE Championship on the show, Universal Championship. No, no, that's Braun Strowman. Oh, I had a I had a slight mind uh, jar there, but the yeah, Drew came down. I thought he cut a really good promo. Actually, this was one of the best things on the show. Where yeah, he did. He covered the usual ground of I was fired. I fought my way back. I'm like, oh, I love you, Drew, but I'm a bit bored of this shtick now. But then he goes, bam! He turns it around into. But some of the stories I've heard about Randy Orton, he should have been fired a whole bunch of times. Yeah, I I was a bit concerned at the start of this promo because, yeah, it's all about I was fired. But it was also you only got into this position because of who your dad is. You only got into the I wouldn't have got the chance of death. It's the same promo that Edge was kind of like this literally was copied and pasted from Edge's promos that he was doing in the lead up to WrestleMania, which at this point feels like it was last year. Um, So I was a bit concerned about that. But that was the, the twisting it around to be like. You know, literally, he talked about Randy Orton having a crap in someone's bag. Like mm. he, he basically referenced that and talked about all of the bad stuff that Randy has done and being like, but they just let it by. Me and Adam were joking about this on a Patreon podcast recently that 
Randy Orton is why the um, welfare, the, the wellness check policy rules were changed because it was initially initially supposed to be suspended for 30 days. If you got failed twice, you're suspended for 60 days. If you fail a third time, you're fired. And Randy was the first person to fail it three times. And they weren't going to fire Randy Orton. So they just said, oh, actually, you can work off uh, your other suspensions. And Randy Orton has worked off his suspensions. Uh, force field. You can't hit yeah. me, actually. I've got a force field on. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it didn't say that outright, but it was a it was a reference to those things. But the people who know, they know. Uh, and the people who don't know, it still works because you're like, oh, yeah, he kicks people in the head. Exactly. So, <clears throat> oh, sorry, what were you going to say? No, 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 I was going to say exactly. Yeah. I was disagreeing. So really, really good stuff. I, he lost me a bit again, unfortunately, when he started saying how, hey, I watched the last ride documentary on the <laughs> WWE Network, plug, shill, plug. And Undertaker, he let he let guys come up to his level. He brought people up to the, his level. But you, Randy, you kept people down. And I just, you know. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sort of sick of this whole mentality in WWE where these people who are very excellent can't just go and become the champion by themselves of their own skill. It's this mindset that, no, 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 stuff is awarded to you. You work hard for stuff. Kind of the John Cena era of babyface mode. When yeah. really, the most exciting stuff are the people who just sort of disrespect everyone and go straight to the top. That's what the Attitude Era is based on. Disrespect people. Here's my dick in your face. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was, yeah. Like, I, I thought... Drew is such a good promo that he overcame a lot of sort of like the 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 problematic parts of it. And I use the problematic because you're right. Like you know, hey, the Undertaker is a legend, and you can watch his documentary on the network. It is only nine ninety nine for new subscribers. Um, but I thought Orton coming out with Flair, Flair's back as well. I thought Orton cut a really good promo as well, saying like, I've not been fired. I'm too valuable to the company. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really, really good line. And then I loved this when he kind of referenced the fact that Drew's promo was recycled material. It was like, I dare you to come up with an original opinion about me. And it almost felt like he was challenging the writers to be like, <laughs> I dare you to write a new <clears throat> promo against me. Uh, so after that, it was a very effective segment. Ric Flair approaches Kevin Owens backstage you know, sort of offers him his managerial services. Kay's like, I've done the bad guy shtick. I'm going to make it on my own way. But I'll, I'll happily be sorted next week. So that's happening next week. Yeah, very nice. Uh, Nia Jax. It was uh, Pat Buck. Yes. The ginger guy. I did recognize him because yeah. when I've seen pictures of him, he's had his like head shaved or a hat on. But they, they, also, they, they, giant they, ginger locks. On, they did say his name on commentary as well. Hmm. Um, so Nia Jax went to apologize to him for beating him up last week but instead challenged him to a match and he suspended her without pay which was you know it was a bit weird because he's not been set up as an authority figure or someone who has the power to do that no uh and naya headbutts him and then walks away I did think it was really funny that she headbutted him and he rolled out to the floor and you could just see like, it was almost like a Nia Jax face print where all of her makeup had come off <laughs> on the, on his shirt. <laughs> it was like, you know uh, that bit in Forrest Gump when he hands that bloke the towel, uh, the, the shirt and he rubs it on his face and it's got the, yeah, the smiley face thing. Mm. Uh, after that, we got a 
Quick little match, triple threat between R-Truth, Tozawa and Benjamin. This is where Benjamin lost the 24-7 title to Akira Tozawa. Her business was looking good, but they got distracted beating up ninjas. Well, as Todd Phillips put it, they were outsmarted (laughs) by the ninjas. Yeah, so doesn't really make them look good. Uh, Then we got the Shane-Dominic Cutter promo, which was okay. Uh, Shayna Baszler then took on Sasha Banks. And while they were wrestling... I thought this is my match of the night. Yep. This is a hell of a match. So they good. were working it really, really smartly. Baszler was using her sort of you know, her lethal submission game. There was this great double underhook suplex into an arm bar transition, whereas Banks was like, you know, no slouch. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, yeah. She's really presenting herself well as the boss again right now. And Bailey sort of caused a bit of a distraction, allowed Banks to get on top, work over the arm i think it was and this was really really good and i was thinking it's not going to finish clean because this has got to go onto a pay-per-view but i'm okay with that because i want that's what i want to happen but what did it cost luke so the way that this match finished because like you my note is here is like well this isn't getting a finish and you know nor should it really you know whatever and the finish of this was asker ran down and beat up bailey who's not in the match and the referee called for the DQ. Well, a no contest, I guess. Cause it's not DQ. Yeah. It can't be a DQ. And I just like, why did the referee call for the match to be called off? <laughs> there were no, there were, like this happened all the time. Yeah. It was absolutely nonsense. I, I hated it. Hated it. Was, it. it was terrible. It didn't make yeah. any sense. It makes it, and it makes you ask questions. The, the worst stuff for me is the stuff that it, that sort of puts holes everywhere else. It's like double bad. So now it's like, oh well, why doesn't that happen in this match? In this match, I saw it on this show as well. So really, really bad stuff. Really lazy as well. And to be honest, quite disrespectful to the viewer to just pull that kind of stuff. Um, but the stuff afterwards, I thought was really good. Aside from Charlie Caruso interviewing Asker in the ring. Uh, and making her watch quite a long promo about how she lost the title and then Kyrie Sane was beaten up brutally to the extent where she's left the company. And then she's like, now you may speak. <laughs> mean Charlie is mm. back in full force. Uh, but Asuka challenged Banks for a SummerSlam match. Yep. And that, then the, the camera just pans out slightly and Shane is like, yeah, good luck. I was like, yeah. when was Hello. Shayna there? <laughs> I'm here. I, I mean, I'm right here. Like, where did Basley go? Like, after when it came back, I was like, where did Basley like Thanos away to? No, she was just standing there. Like, I've been here the whole time. And, uh, <laughs> she gets in and she hopes that Asuka does beat Banks. Uh, she's going to be cheering on because she wants to dismantle Asuka, which I thought was really, really badass. And then Banks and Bailey, who were literally just in the segment, did their entrance again. Like, their mm. entrance music hits, they could come out. And I, this was my favorite bit of like the match was great, but the finish sucked. But this was my favorite bit, which is where Banks says that Asuka can have her match at SummerSlam if she can beat a four, you know, one of the four horsemen, a former NXT champion, Bailey. And Bailey's face is just like, what, what? No, I don't want to face Asuka next week, which is exactly what Bailey was doing with Banks when Banks didn't have any titles. It was, this was wonderful. Really, really good stuff. Uh, also, Sasha went another four horsewoman. Woo, <laughs> Bailey! I was like, oh, I thought that was, that was so well worked. Also, just 
So this was, yeah, top to bottom, apart from that stupid finish. Brilliant. A brilliant segment. Mm-hmm. The, the, the in-ring action was great. I love all the characters. I, they've seamlessly worked Baszler into this feud to make it feel really multidimensional. I love what Pritchard has done with the role models and their storylines on Raw. But it's such an easy fix. Why can't Asuka just run in and beat up Banks? Yeah. That causes the DQ. It follows on from last week. It also creates more tension between Baszler and Asuka because, you know, Baszler lost the match by DQ in that version of events. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's one thing that I would have done to have improved this, which was to have taken it off TV and put it onto their YouTube channel. (laughs) (laughs) Zing. Vince outbid you, Tony. (laughs) We now only answer to McMahon. Uh, Angel Gaza is flirting with Demi Burnett from The Bachelor backstage. Cool. Really great contained set. You know, that's what you want, isn't it? You you just want the only the people who are needed there on the day. You wouldn't want to waste sort of pandemic measures on just a random celebrity who's not going to pop a rating at all, would you? Dude, the ratings are low. You've got to... Do you know what else pops a rating? Celebrities. Mm. That people, I'm going to assume in America, know. Yeah. Uh, so then we got the raw underground stuff with Babatunde. Uh, and then we got... Is it the, the door? We've got the Street Profits stuff. So yes. Street Profits got this really cool <clears throat> promo uh, beforehand. I thought I thought Ford was awesome in all of this, and then Dawkins. I, I and then I loved Dawkins. He said we 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 got a bond like James, which I thought was a really wicked line. It's almost like Enzo Amore style, like sort of wordplay that he used to do. And Dawkins says, I, I say the word fam a lot, but Montez Ford is my family. He's my brother. And then there was just if you if you noticed it. Ford just takes a little sip of his drink and he's like, well, that didn't taste particularly nice at all. It was never heavily referenced that, oh, Ford, it was like in another time period of WWE, they would have said like, oh my God, Ford did not like the drink that he just put into his mouth. And they would just showed like 10 replays of it. Here it was just like, he took it, so it was like, oh mm. God, no. Like if it played into nothing, it wouldn't have really meant, it wouldn't have looked like anything. But then during the Dawkins-Gaza match, Ford is still like taking the drink, being like, "Oh, that's actually it's quite horrible." I was like, well, "Stop drinking it, mate," and yeah. sort of like, you know, feeling a bit wobbly. And then he just collapses, and Dawkins gets distracted by this to allow uh, Angel. Oh, is Luke gone again? I think Luke is gone again because he's frozen for me. I'm gonna push ahead with the Fords. You know what? I won't. I'll. I'll pause it there and I'll do some super chats until Luke can come back. I'm going to remove him from the stream. It's all Ollie again. <laughs> Sorry about this, folks. Um, so here's a few super chats. Will HM take his eye, Joe? That's a reference to the oh, Luke's back in the, the house. Can you hear us, Luke? He's moving in slow motion, so that's a no. Uh, there was that sort of heckler in the audience again, who's who's been doing some very funny uh, yells. Bacon Rasher, hiya lads. We were all on an acid high last night. That was some trip and one hell of a show. I defo agree with your rating, Ollie. Hashtag WrestleLuke. Jam that jam. FTF. I'm not going to say that. 
El Fermentado. This felt like uh, Raw Jump the Shark, big for ratings. I totally agree. Pat Bostis. So why didn't Sanity get the this the debut this new group got? Totally agree. That would have worked perfectly for their gimmick. Ooh ah, ooh ah. Says, do you think Drew's promo was scripted? Seems so. I think they give him some scripts, but then mostly it's uh, bullet points because a lot of it feels so Drew-like. Uh, but yeah, I I think there's a mixture there. Luke's back, everybody. Hello, sorry about that. Virgin Media. It's either Virgin Media are the Virgin Media are the big heels here. Either that or Tony Khan heard my comments and he has pulled the plug on my internet. It's all the bandwidth that YouTube's using for the people watching the Deadly Draw. <laughs> so carry on. Sorry, I do. I I went over the super chats while you were, oh, you were right. talking about Montez Ford and the Street Profits. Yeah, and then like he, you know, he collapsed and that allowed that led into the finish. Uh, and then WWE doctors, for whatever reason, allowed Montez Ford to have a match. Um, and then he collapsed again during that match, and the referee calls off and he calls down for a doctor to come and help him. They played this up like super, super seriously. And then in, they had this segment in the back where, you know, Gaza and, and Andrade and Vega are kind of chatting about it, and Dawkins comes out and says, like, they, he was poisoned, and Belair walks up with all this piss and vinegar being like, you poisoned my husband. And Vega's very on the defense, being like, it's not me. And this sort of huge brawl breaks out. I actually kind of dug this I, I i quite enjoy this and i think it's it's a, a definitely the new faction coming in and i i didn't mind it mate I, I again I, I quite liked this but that might just be because i really really like the street profits yes do love the street profits so i guess the the new faction would go after the raw tag team titles yeah yeah uh, makes sense i suppose i thought the poison stuff was stupid i think if you're going to have the poison stuff, do it on a show where you haven't got so many other stupid things as well, because it just it just gets lost in the shuffle. Like we were talking today on the morning call, talking about all the crazy things. And then someone mentioned, oh, yeah, and someone got poisoned. And we we're like, yeah. oh, my God, what was this episode? Yeah, well, I mean, we're an hour into this stream and we haven't <clears throat> even got to like the Seth Rollins, Dominic Mysterio mm. stuff. Uh, but the... I, it's a shame because I think there's a really good story here where Angel Gaza and Andrade can beat the Street Profits individually because Gaza and Andrade don't actually work that well as a team. That's a story they've been telling, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But they're very good as singles wrestlers. However, the Street Profits are better together. They're more than the sum of their parts. And that's the dynamic you tell going into the tag title match. But they didn't tell that at all. They no. told the story of Poison. Yeah, to debut the new faction. Like this, okay. this, this, this is bigger than like I like it's it, it's quite a telegraph in that Andrade and and Gaza certainly. I mean, I don't think I had had them down to win at SummerSlam anyway. But I think as a way to debut a new faction and get a tag team with the belts, I I, I didn't mind it. Um. So yeah, we got the Eric Rowan, uh, not Eric Rowan, Eric <laughs> Viking Raiders down in Raw Underground, and then that segment. And then we got the, we've already mentioned it, it's the footage, security footage, of five hooded people throwing Molotov cocktails at a generator that didn't really make sense with the rest of the show. But whatever, it's happening. I didn't think this was done very well. 
I do, well, I, I guess it was done well in terms of like, here's some security footage. It's got a grain on. It's one static shot. And the, the explosions looked real, actually. I What I didn't like was, oh, the idea of an invading force, a new faction. That sounds, I'm always into that. I always am going to be. I love factions, particularly new ones before they've been ruined. But rather than like five people intimidatingly, scarily walk in and then light a Molotov cocktail and throw it, which is scary, right? That's pretty intriguing. They had five obnoxious people yipping around like kids. And it, it was just, it was so off-putting, so uncool to borrow the, the underground criticism that I, I just was like, oh, I, I don't care about these jabronis. I would. I mean, I've, I've kind of made a few bets on this show already, even though I'm not a betting man. I would wager that the people in those in the ninja costumes that I thought it was are not the actual faction that's debuting. I would almost put money on they don't know who was in this faction yet. Because this faction's not the Undisputed Era. That's what we've heard. It's not the Undisputed Era getting called up. I don't think they know who's in the group. Mm, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I think... Uh... <clears throat> Well, I think the Undisputed Era might still appear, like they might still be the faction, but there was five people, right? Dominic Dijakovic. <laughs> that not that the most main roster thing to do? Call up Undisputed Era and Dominic Dijakovic is just this massive guy because they can't get over if they're not tall, right? No, they're tiny. Um, then we got MVP walking around backstage being like, why is no one talking about the fight club next door? And we then we got... One of the better things on the show as well, Seth Rollins coming out and addressing the viewers, but before he's got some business with Tom Phillips. Yeah. So he talks of Tom Phillips. I asked Tom if he's unbiased. And he says, because I heard you last week cheering Dominic Mysterio on. You're supposed to be calling things down the middle. You're the voice of Monday Night Raw and therefore a voice of the Monday Night Messiah in a way. I thought this segment was, and then like he's going to step up to to Tom Phillips, and Samoa Joe, like the ultimate badass, just stands up, slightly undoes his waist jacket, and just goes like, "Not on my watch!" Like just yeah. blows back, and he just cuts this promo on Rollins, being like, "You're not going to address my broadcast partner about this." Dominic Mysterio runs down, and they have a scuffle. My favorite bit about this was is that Tom Phillips did no commentary over the over Dominic's attack on Seth Rollins. It's mm. all Byron and it's all Joe. Tom Phillips stays silent throughout. Even when they go to the like to the crew, Tom looks so scared. And he like he gives a little fist bump to Samoa Joe, but Joe's like hugging me and like, look at amazing that was. That was so good that Dominic did that. Wasn't that great? Tom doesn't say a word. I thought it was really, really. I mean, I don't know what it's leading to. Like, like is it leading to Tom Phillips beating up Seth Rollins? I don't know. But like, I just thought the performances from everyone was was really, really great. I, I was a fan of this. Yeah, that's I, everyone really did excel here. Uh, Samoa Joe, I think, is easily the standout. He was oh, yeah. so so cool, um, and it's actually in canon because he was very briefly part of the Kevin Owens faction that was warring against the Monday Night Messiah faction. Back in February, remember? Mm -hmm. For like that hot week when he returned between suspension and concussion. Ultra like unit. A million years ago. Uh, yeah, ultra unit. Uh, but also, I thought Dominic was really good here. Yes. He was really yeah, yeah. fluid, really fast. 
Yes. So um, the other thing we should mention as well about the uh, new faction, because I've just remembered that, because this is what, like, apparently WWE filed a trademark for the group name. It's called Just Us. So that's not two words. It's one word. They're called Just Us. The Hounds of Just Us? <laughs> Did somebody say Just Us? <laughs> uh, I, oh, I also, I definitely heard a female voice in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, someone's, some people are already speculating. Um, Tessa Blanchard is mm-hmm. the female voice. Someone said that it's, uh, they think that it's, that it's Bel Air, and she was the one who poisoned her own husband. Ooh. Oh, that'd be rubbish. Um, but yes, that was the that was the show, and then you know it was the the raw underground bit at the at the end with the hurt business standing tall, like they own the joint now. So yes, a absolutely bonkers episode of Raw. Um, I didn't actually give it a rating in my video earlier because it was so... I still don't really know how I think uh, about it. It's been eight hours now since I watched the show. What do I think? What do you think? I, I, I'm kind of looking at it from two minds. One part of me is thinking that it's just like it's uh, which is the cynical portion of my brain which is that man this was the most desperate for ratings episode that we've had in 2020 because this is the first time in 2020 that they have been this desperate for ratings and it felt quite sad that it was like this desperate for ratings particularly because i think a lot of the things that we're getting on here aren't really going to matter in three to four weeks because they'll just get bored of it and just be looking for the next thing that's going to be their their new ratings bump. Mm-hmm. But as the show itself, like I didn't, I, I quite enjoyed a lot of it. Like I think this is a three and like a high three out of five show. Like because even like there was stuff on it that I enjoyed, but it didn't really like mean a whole bunch. But I thought Seth Rollins, I thought his segment was was wicked. I really liked the Hurt Business. I, I think the Hurt Business are wicked. Um, and I, I kind of liked a lot of stuff throughout the show. So yeah, I'm going to go a, a high, a high three out of five for this show. I think yeah, I think it all, all the bad stuff is kind of outweighed by good stuff hmm. and intriguing. So yeah, I'll go three as well, three out of five. Yeah. Right, so let's fire through all of these super chats. Nate drops surname. I got plenty to say about this raw, but not much good. Can we just talk about the deadly draw instead of that train wreck? Tayanara Conti is great. Yes, uh, he is going by the name uh, Tay Conti now. Uh, I thought her like there was a segment on this show though. I think it was between these two that had some of the worst acting I have ever seen on a wrestling show. It is actually I might even just like time clip it for you so you can go and watch it but it is appalling who's between, it between between anna j ty conti and dasha fuentes it is it's shocking oh dear uh rogue eon uh, according to gary cassidy the seventh three guard was jordan omagbehen nxt recruit aka giant ninja so oh was man him. the giant the, ninja the drinks guy is ryan ward uh oh wwe vp of creative writing that's where Ryan Ward is. Because he was he was sort of uh, made the step down as SmackDown writer ages ago. He was the uh, great NXT writer that was then doing great SmackDown writing. And they were like, nope, no, I can't be having any of that. You're getting demoted, I'm afraid. And Mike D. So this week we had a wrestler being poisoned, another ridiculous DQ finish, and a Shane McMahon fight club with strippers. Well, I'm speechless. 
My name is Mike Dean. I'm the lady's choice. I want to get next to you, like Rolls Royce. The big dog 2383 Acosta. I'll be honest, as weird as Raw was with the lights going out and Raw Underground, it kept my attention. Drew is so awesome on the mic. And that's what they want. They wanted people being so intrigued that they were going to watch from the first hour and then stick around for Mm. all three. Mark Flay. Raw sounds legit mad. What the fudge? It was. Kevin, last Super Chat today. Samoa Joe is the effing best. He sure was. Dale Creasy, Shayna a face now? I think she's oh, a tweener. Yeah, I don't think she's a baby face. No, absolutely not. Jeff Perullo, Perullo, Perullo. They're setting Dom up for success at least. Yeah, it's funny. I was talking to like the guy who uh, my who runs sort of like the little convenience store down at the end of the road. He's a big wrestling fan. Uh, he's got an AJ. He's got AJ Styles as his ringtone because I hear it every time I'm uh, in the uh, shop buying some beers and stuff. And I was just chatting to him because he watched it. He he very much likes you. Um, and he was asking me, he was just like, you know, what are they doing with uh, with Seth Rollins? And I was like, oh, he's probably going to face Dom at SummerSlam. This is last week. And I said, he's probably going to face Dom at SummerSlam. He's like, no, surely not. He's not ready. And I was like, if there's anyone that can carry Dominic Mysterio to his first match, like just guide him through, Seth Rollins would be one of the guys I'd put him in there with. Mm-hmm. Just really hold his hand and just guide him through the motions. Oblivious carry. My girlfriend overheard the poison segment and said, what the F? <laughs> So you can say that about any segment, really. Taxel, I really like the Drew Randy segment. It feels like they just threw them out there and said, shoot. Uh, I think it was probably a bit more staged than that, but yeah. Andrew Gronick, I was thinking Shotzi Blackheart will be part of this new faction. This is the first week she wasn't in the crowd. Well, you know, I thought she was. (laughs) I mean, you you just spotted her, wouldn't you? Michael Dominguez, Seth targets Joe, so Joe targets Becky like Wendy. And let's not attack oh, regular women. Come on now. <laughs> Becky. Mike Miguel 8A had some friends watching Raw and they thought it was a dumpster fire. <gasps> I had no answers to give when they had <laughs> questions about the terrible segments. Can you imagine if you're the guy and you're like, oh, everyone come around and watch Raw because they're going to do this like new crazy <clears> third <throat> hour and there's going to be this whole new faction debut and the whole night people are just like, why is that happening? Who's this? What does that mean? And you're like, oh, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. That's on you, Miguel A.T. <laughs> why would you invite people round to watch Raw? Uh, Bonza Ray, why was The Fiend featured on Raw and why is nobody mentioning it? So I thought this was just promos for SmackDown. Like I thought the feed that I watched just had like, they just had promos for SmackDown to be like, tune in Fridays to watch SmackDown. And it ha- ended with the let me in thing. So they just had like the little let me in thing. I don't think it was actually part of the Raw broad, like not as part of like The Fiend is invading Raw. That was what I surmised anyway. I think that's very likely. Michael Dominguez, two champs crew. Guess everyone has two belts. Yeah, Cruz has got two belts as well now these days. Ty- and finally from me, Ty Boogie. I love the Riot Squad reunion. Squad Squad. Oh, we found that guy, Sarah Logan. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for watching, Sarah. Uh, Kevin is in the chats for WWE Related. So it's official. The SummerSlam tagline is, you'll never see it coming. Make it its entry into the list of stupid taglines. (sighs) 2020. Yeah, it's no good. Justin Edelheit, it's my birthday. Uh, My wish for WWE is to get the Raw Women's Championship off of SmackDown's uh, Sasha Banks. Ah, but she's a tag champ, so she can be on both brands. So it does work. But Mm. also, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Uh, Rich McCann, uh, I was hoping that Ollie would have covered something of the deadly draw from last night. It was pretty good. Sadly, Brandy is not. There was so much to cover today in the news. There was the XFL. There was the stuff backstage at Raw. Shane McMahon's return. 
all the stuff on Raw. Sorry, it didn't, didn't make the cut. He also adds, I don't think you're too tough on AEW for their women's division because it does need work, but you mock and belittle when they try something, especially when you've not watched the products. Not trying to be harsh, just a fair criticism. Yeah, you're, you're welcome to that criticism. I say I have watched the product and I've seen them do many starts at working towards something. And I was always very much behind them back then. And now I'm sort of past the point of giving them that leeway. I, I find it very frustrating. And I, I feel, unfortunately, the deadly draw is going to suffer the same fate. Like, it's not even on Dark. Like, it's it's not even on their second-tier show. I really thought this was going to be, like, you know, I, I, I thought it was a way to get the Nightmare <laughs> Sisters more TV time, but... Yeah, no, apparently it was like it's on its own little YouTube channel that's not going to get the same numbers that putting it on TV would have done, which you could have done to elevate some of these characters. And it's a shame because when I was watching the intro package and there's like, like a video with Brandy in the middle of it being like, you know, I want women to be taken seriously. I want to have a voice. I want to be this that, and the other. And I'm like, well, why is this on in YouTube? Mm. Why isn't this on your TV product where because like, you know, looking at the. Let's have a look at the viewing figures for it at the moment. It's 200,000 um, this morning when I first started watching it. It's now at 300,000 viewers. You know? pretty so good. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's good. But it's like half of what the TV show gets on a, on a really good week. Uh, Jobber JJ uh, says, please get Pete on this show. Hashtag Raw. Because Pete wanted to have a little rant about it. I don't think he liked the <laughs> underground thing. Uh, Danny Average, Luke needs to check outside. I think I saw Sean Ross Sapp with a Molotov cocktail. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, small afro games jaron walker <laughs> love you guys thanks mate love you Thank too you much. Uh, uh shall i continue or do you want yeah, to carry you finish on? it off okay uh tasteless nobody says ollie um i will get you to notice me senpai also here's five dollars hi tasteless nobody thanks for the money <laughs> nate drop surname uh maybe more of a mailbag question are we watching failing 2000 wcw levels of depression i know ww is financially okay and not going anywhere but this is bad if it wasn't for Drew, I uh, I guess that was great. Mm. So it was desperation, not depression. Oh, sorry. Uh, I know it's not as bad as then, but they are doing their damnedest tribute act. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Amro, off topic, but do you guys like Rick and Morty? Love Rick and Morty. I've never seen it. Um, Nada, Nadavalia says, I think underground, uh, rather than real versus <laughs> fake, it's regular wrestling versus blood sport wrestling. Yes, uh, so it's almost like its own division, I suppose. I just, uh, I don't, I, I'm concerned how it's going to gel. Yeah. Bacon Rasher, in case you hadn't noticed with my recent Super Chats, I want a Wrestle Luke t-shirt. Uh, Raw Underground, by the way, is round the corner from Clapham Junction. Ah, on the, on the underground. <laughs> Uh, the big dog Acosta says, FYI, I bought two t-shirts and can't wait to get them. I'll share pictures when I get them. Thank you for all you do with providing content. Oh, thanks for supporting the channel and buying a t-shirt. Everyone else can go to WrestleTalkMerch.com. Uh, and Dale Creasy says, could the hacker from SmackDown um, be on the show because we heard other voices? Um, so hang on. Could the hackers from SmackDown because we heard other voices be the ones that caused the fire on Raw. So I, I think there's like, could this new faction be tied into the SmackDown hacker? I think it's been dropped, definitely. The, the whole hacker stuff. Uh, and Danny Riggs says, Rick and Morty is great. I've, I've, I've heard that it is. It's just, it's, yeah. I don't like the art style. That kind of puts me off from watching it. I don't think you'd like it. it, it I think it's great. Yeah, from what I've seen, it does look a little, like, like <clears throat> sort of, 
lame South Park from 20 years ago. Oh, can't you just say you just don't like it rather than <laughs> crap on it and have controversial opinions? My wife and I were actually talking about FHM and Maxim recently. We were sort of going through a bit of a sort of a lad culture thing because we're, we're re-watching Celebrity MasterChef. And we were sort of just like talking about who sort of the cover girls were for like a long period of time. We'd be like, oh yeah, Denise Van Outen. She was always like a cover girl for, for FHM. And Rachel Stevens is on the, the current series of Celebrity MasterChef we're watching. I was like, yeah, she was always on there. Um, and Melanie Sykes. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of looking at it and it was like an amazing little time capsule of where you were like, wow, this is all, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's all aged quite poorly. But like it was also hilarious in looking back at it, it was like, wow, I can't believe we fell for this every single month. Yeah. Well, me and Anna are also like sort of going back and watching a few old TV series. We've done peep shows. So stuff from our from our youth. And we've just started re-watching Nathan Barley. And oh, this wow. kind of, I know. It's bloody amazing. It holds up so well. Because younger, we essentially younger, younger. <laughs> We live, so we don't live, but me and you, where our office is in non-pandemic times, is is the Nathan Barley culture. Just <laughs> loads of hipsters riding around on their little bikes, being idiots. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like back then when everything was everything was funny, like mm. even the most offensive, most awful things. Yeah. You were you were a bit of an idiot if you said, "Well, actually, I don't quite like watching that." I was going to say, oh, it's just better, mate. Like that Nathan Barley joke that I was just saying there is where he is on a bus loudly saying, like, guess how young the girl I was I shagged yesterday. <laughs> younger. Younger. <laughs> younger. And he just keeps going. Yeah, and, and that's Nathan Barley, the show in the early noughties, you know, sort of lampooning that culture, not celebrating it, because yeah. everything else at the time was celebrating that culture. <laughs> Very, very good. Oh, uh, speaking of uh, shows um, and so possibly a bit of lampooning, uh, Dale has got in touch to say uh, he's actually sent in some bad acting for us to to have a look at, which hilariously enough, we were talking about on the pre-Cinemania stream that we did, uh, where I said it's one of my favorite bits of acting. It's from Hercules, uh, the legend, legendary stories, I think it was, or like the legend continues. Wait a minute. This isn't my world. Disappointed! <laughs> so, Do you think that's like the, the 20th take of the day? Because, well, yeah, I, I've I done think, every other style of read. Like, I think for context, the, I, I, but the legend goes that, that was a, it was a stage direction, not a piece of dialogue. And he just read the the it's supposed to be like, this is not my world. <laughs> and he just and you know, bracket disappointed. And he just didn't see the brackets there and thought that disappointed was the last line of <laughs> of, of his of his read. You'd surely if you saw a word in brackets, I would I would go, This is not my world. Disappointed. <laughs> that's a that's a whisper thing, right? Parentheses. Well, do you think that this was in parentheses? What goes on in this town is none of your business. As long as I'm living here, it is. Then maybe you shouldn't be living here! 
That's all caps. It's all caps with an asterisk either side of the sentence to make it bold in the YouTube comments. Do you? I, it's so obviously the Hurt Business are now the the de facto main event act on, on Raw, Raw Underground? Underground. Are they? Is it a separate promotion? I don't know. <laughs> but every time I see them, and they're awesome, I love them so much. But I always hear Hurt Business. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't even the thing. It's we're not, we're focusing on the wrong memeable line. Yeah, <laughs> the head prisoner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, how was your weekend, man? You uh, were alone well, for a lot of it. I was alone. I was left alone. So it was the well. You know, every year, me and my friends do the Golden Mile, first mm. weekend of August, first Saturday of August, which is twelve pubs. 12 pints in each pub, uh, very strict. Not, 12, not 12 pints in each of the 12 pubs. It is one pint for mm, each pub. That would kill you. Uh, but there's loads of rules, time restrictions. If you don't like that sort of thing, like Luke in parentheses, you'll hate it. But yeah. it has developed a, a growing, dedicated, yearly select like group of people now. because they uh, all, It so was... And just for, you know, I've brought it up before on this podcast because it comes up every year. It was a tradition that I started. That yeah, I would you think started. Was, well, you did, yes. And then I think it, was, it It just became not the thing. It became less about the doing a crawl and more about, I don't know, playing penny games in your beers or something, whatever that yeah. game was. Spamming each other. You've been tangoed. <laughs> Smash a glass in their face. <laughs> we did. We did two. We did. Me and you yeah. did a separate one one year. Mm-hmm. It could, it could, the old one could still live. Well, funny enough, actually, me and Adam were talking about it uh, on the Patreon podcast that you were not a part of last month because you didn't do any Patreon podcasts last mm. month. Um, but yeah, we were talking about like we should just do a Wrestle Talk version of it where we don't do the silly drinking rule version and we just enjoy each other's company and yeah. just have a nice time. But, but we'd film it, right? That's <laughs> it, it'll still be content. Yeah. Yeah, so we did that, but it was it was we agreed it wasn't a competition year. Uh, the government were, of course, they they left it up to the regulatory body where the mm-hmm. the competition will go ahead. Uh, me and the rest of the board decided that the the guidelines and rules that have been adhered to over the last seven years. Oh, seven years, mate! It's a long time since the first one. Uh, yeah, this is number. Well, it should have been number eight. But it, it can't be done. So this was just. A drink with with guys so mm. there weren't any rules although i did that because i was i was actually the few days beforehand i started to get really sort of anxious about it because yeah so did we you do get pubs then well i had a booking in one pub and right. we uh had two different tables mm-hmm. and then we then we sort of drank outside for the rest of it in a park <laughs> and a local pub was doing takeaways so and played football did Which, you really? Yeah, played football and yeah. I hurt myself. Oh mate. because <laughs> like, because I can't play football, so I slide tackle. You see that cut? Oh, I don't think you can. Oh god, I can, yeah. Yeah. I cut oh, myself mate. quite badly. But yes, I one one idea I did have, because I didn't want people to drink too much, was rather than you have to finish all twelve pints over the course of the day, each person is given a loaf of bread at the start. <clears throat> And you've got to eat the whole loaf of bread by the end. 
but you've also got to protect the bread and other people are allowed <laughs> <laughs> to intercept the bread, dunk the bread, dip a bread slice <laughs> in beer. <laughs> but we didn't go with that because I'd have had to have bought 11 loaves of bread. <laughs> Which does seem like a tremendous waste. Um, I also had, had some drinks up in a park mm. um, because my wife and I had some house viewings on Saturday. And they were like, the first one was at half 11 and the other one was at two. And we were like, well, we could just go and sit in the car for 15 minutes and then go back in and then go and sit in the car for another 15 minutes when it comes back. I was like, no, no, we'll go for a walk. So we walked up to our park. I sat in a, a little deck chair and read Watchmen. She laid out a little blanket and read Ooh. her book and I bought some beers and we drank them in the park like little louts and I fell asleep in my chair. Oh, did, were, you sun, were you sun creamed up? I was sun creamed up, yes. Yeah, so I was not burnt this time. But Kate did have to wake me up because I was starting to make like <laughs> sleeping noises in the middle. Bear in mind, I wasn't that far from a, a pathway either. It wasn't like I was far into a pathway. <laughs> but yeah, fell asleep for about 10 minutes. It was quite, quite adorable, really. That's a sign of our age. You yeah. fell asleep on a chair in the park, Luke. While reading Watchmen. <laughs> While feeding ducks. <laughs> in my head, you're also feeding ducks. Yeah, yeah. Right, well, we've got to go because I haven't put my screen up yet or sorted my light down. We've got to go uh -oh. live in a couple of minutes. Um, but yeah, anyway, thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back on Thursday with the AEW review. There'll be the NXT review, the Friday podcast. As per normal, take care. Of, uh, when it, what, what? Take care, everyone. I love you. Goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.